Welcome to the Autism Mommies Potty Talk Podcast. I'm Michelle B. Rogers, Autism Mom and Life Coach. I help parents of children with autism who are pre-verbal to start communicating a potty training, guaranteed. You're listening to the Autism Moms Potty Talk Podcast, Episode 9. Hey everybody, welcome back. And today I wanted to talk about uh, the second pillar um, for a child to have a chance at a life of independence. Um, We have three pillars that they want to be able to achieve. And I actually stole this from Mary Barbara, but I think it's so valid. I thought I would kind of say my own spin on this. And I agree with it too, because when we were working through uh, goals for Juliana, these were things that were of super importance to us. Um, the first one I worked on was communication. So one of the three pillars of uh, the three goals, um, life skills that you want your child to have, to have a chance at an independent life. The first one is going to be communication. And that was the first thing we worked on with Juliana. And the second one is potty training, which we just went over in previous episodes. If you're struggling with potty training, you can watch uh, the last three episodes. And I go through uh, potty training from soup to nuts. And then the third one is you want to not have a ton of problem behavior, a ton of tantruming, a ton of aggressive behavior, minimal problem behavior, minimal tantruming, hopefully no aggressive behavior. And I also slash that with and can sit and attend. I kind of like go back and forth with that. And if your children on the spectrum can have these three, you have a really good shot at independence. And I really like that um that to work on uh these foundational skills first before we work on anything else and um i explained in previous episodes as to why these are important and today i really want to focus on um the communication part because that was really the um most amazing part of even to this day if i look at everything that we've been through with juliana from you know when she was diagnosed at two to where she is today at nine um communication was the the start of everything and um as um neurotypical people we think communication and we automatically think the spoken word and for us or as you know because you are here you're assuming you are a parent of a child um on the spectrum communication actually could mean many things and for us it meant sign language so what we do in the program that I run, I run a, a group coaching program for parents of children with autism to kind of go over everything that you deal with with autism and help you to build strategies and make yourself feel better about everything. Um, when we're working on communication goals, I'm always working on a bridge form of communication first. And what is a bridge form of communication? So a uh, bridge form of communication can be, um, it's basically like the way I describe it, a bridge. So you have vocal language on one side of the bridge. You have a child that is pre-verbal right now on the other side of the bridge, and you want to bridge that gap. So bridge form of communication does that for you. So when even though we want verbal, we all want to hear our children speak. I get that. The best place to be to get that is to cross this bridge uh bridge with a bridge form of communication so your three options for that is going to be um sign language which is what we used and loved um a pex or a picture exchange uh, communication system or an aac device like an app on an ipad that will um, the child can use to uh, look at pictures tap on the picture and then the ipad will say the sound and show the item that they want and then that's how they can communicate now, the reason why this one is such an important pillar to getting independence, independence, I mean, it's obvious you have to be able to communicate your wants and needs if you even have a shot at living independently. So that's number one. Number two is, is that um, communication to me 
doesn't have to be verbal. I, I love striving for that. And if we see signs that that's possible, meaning like I love repeaters, I love vocal scripters, I love children that can make a bunch of sounds. These are all good signs that we have a good shot at, at, at getting vocal language. But I want to like really just focus on the actual ability of communication to be able to help you with pillar number three, which is reducing or eliminating problem behavior, tantruming, aggressive behavior. Because nine times out of 10, those two goals are connected. So the reason that is, is that most of the time, if you're a child that is pre-verbal and you need to get something and you don't have the, the, uh, the ability to communicate it with vocal language, you have to go to another form of communication in behavior to get this thing. And a lot of our kids, because it's easy, it's, it's uh, effective, <laughs> um, is they go to aggressive behavior or they go to tantruming or they're, you know, they, any type of problem behavior. These things get your attention. If you think about it, I mean, a child screaming, right? A child biting or hitting, a child throwing stuff. This is going to get your attention quite effectively. It gets the attention of anybody. In fact, it's going to get your attention. It's going to get the attention of anybody in the near vicinity of the situation. Everyone's going to stop what they're doing. And they're going to look and see. And then the next natural knee-jerk response you're going to have to that is to give them whatever to make them stop. So once we've done that, once we've kind of sealed the bond in, the, in our child's brain, we've built a neural pathway that says, I scream, I get cookie, bam. Now you've, made, now you've reinforced a negative behavior. So that what ends up happening is like anytime I need something, this worked great for cookie at the store, let me try it here. And if it works again, now I've given it even more fire. It's almost like adding more fuel to this fire, more, more wood to this fire, that why would I want to communicate any other way? This has always been so effective. So you have to kind of look at it from our, for looking from the child's perspective, look at what's going on right now so that we can start to attack communication skills in that fashion. So when we're dealing with a child that is pre-verbal, that we realize maybe is uh, partaking in, uh, they have a lack of communication skills and they're dealing, you're dealing with tantruming or aggressive behavior, nine times out of 10, those go hand in hand. So we have to start to look at where they're at. So it's the same scenario as what I told you with potty training is that we kind of wrote out a list of what it takes to potty train. What I do with communicators, with, uh, with our pre-communicators, our pre-verbals, is I do the same thing, but instead of writing out what it takes to communicate, what I want to write out is like, what are the things that they ask for every day? So I make a list of like, when Juliana was learning uh, this bridge form of communication, I made a list of the things that she interact with every day. So I know that she always asked me for her bottle. She always asked me for cookies. She asked me for cookies every day. Uh, she always asked for the TV, the iPad to go outside. Um, uh, she'd like candy. Um, lots of lots of the bad stuff. Lots of the good stuff. All, 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 all good things, right? These were the things that she would do every single day. So what we had decided is first you have to make the decision on what is it that you're going to use for a bridge form of communication. And I know what some of the initial thoughts you may have on this is like, great, if I want my child to actually use vocal language and I'm teaching them PECS or AEC or, 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 or sign language, why would they ever want to talk? And I, I, I always try to, 
I'm always working and, and massaging the words to explain what I saw when my daughter did this. But the first thing is, is that, um, if, if you're dealing with destructive behavior, you'd want that to stop regardless of anything. And this is the quickest path to that. That's number one. Number two is if you if, if you go out there and you search, like does bridge form of communication, does sign language and children of autism create speakers? Uh, there's a lot of studies to support that speakers, that children with autism that speak now that use the bridge form of communication, they're more likely to become verbal. So that's a study. And then the third thing here is like, you know, your baby is in pain right now. You're in pain. Your family's in pain. Your child's screaming their freaking head off for everything they need. Or they're pinching or they're biting or they're kicking or doing whatever. And that's not like, that's not a very good place to be for them and for you. Mentally for them, mentally for you, emotionally, everything. It's not a great place to be. So even though this isn't the ideal landing spot, meaning like sign language, pecs, you want that vocal language, it, wouldn't it be enough just to consider just so that you can have some peace in your home and that your child can feel a little bit better and that you can feel better? And I always say like, listen, you don't have to just settle on this. This isn't like a place where we can settle. This is just the beginning. So I like to look at this as more of like a bridge, like I just said, like, and I, I just basically visualized us using this as a tool to get to the next step in our process for communication. So I wanted to share a little bit today about my experience with, with, with sign language. Um, everyone, you know, it, you first have to look at all three options that are available to you and think about your child and what would work for them. What do you think that you'd be able to follow through with? What do you think you'd be able to do fluently inside the house, outside the house for school to carry over? I want you to really think about what it would take to pick one of these things and see it through. Because just like potty training, we're going to get committed and we're not going to stop until we get the result we want. So when it comes to communication skills, um, what I want to think about here is... Um, what, what's going to work for us, right? And what's, what's going to work for the child? So for Juliana's example, we did sign language. And sign language, um, we didn't start with. We actually started with pecs. Because pecs seemed easier for me because I'm like, listen, I'm a visual person. Um, I, if, I see a, if I see a picture of a Cheerio, I know what she wants if I see the picture of Cheerios. You know, and if I do sign language, I got to remember what these signs mean. Thinking that was going to be hard. This is hysterical. So my daughter had a thing um, right when she was diagnosed where she would take anything she was holding and she'd just start twisting it crazy in her hands. And she was excessively drooling and just fixated on her eyes or just staring at this thing and just twisting, twisting, twisting. So what we ended up doing was we started with pecs. And immediately we ended up making magnets and had a magnet board. And basically she was going to take the, she was going to go through a bag of like the 10 things that she interact with every day, like Cheerios or cookie or iPad, she was going to grab it and put it on the, on the magnet board. And then we were going to give her the, the item. And, uh, the problem with that for us is that she'd take the little card out of the, we'd hand her the little card and she'd just start twisting it, twisting, twisting, twisting. And, I, and we'd try to redirect her, do whatever, to give her the next, start, start twisting it again. So then I said to the team, I said, this isn't going to work. <laughs> and I don't know shit. I just know this, you know, my kid and this ain't going to work. Like, we'll be sitting here. I mean, could we have probably powerhouse through this and tried to redirect her and bring her back? And, uh, yeah, we could have done that. And it would have been desirable for me because Pex makes so much sense for my brain. You know, I don't need any more uh, discomfort. I don't need to learn anything new here. But I was always thinking about speed. 
And what do you mean by speed? Well, I mean time is currency with our children on the spectrum. Now, do I feel that children that are 7, 10, 15, 20 could learn communication skills? Absolutely. I used to think, I used to think, I used to have this visual in my head, like the brain between 0 and 7 is like Play-Doh. And it's my best time. I really got to capitalize on this time. And then, uh, uh, you know, once this time is over, it's just, it's, it's a hard rock. You can't learn anything. But that's not fucking true. Because I learned how to uh, create a podcast in less in less than a month ago. I learned how to design my own website in my 30s. I learned how to crochet in my 30s. So you can learn lots of shit. That's bullshit. That's a bullshit thought. We talked about thoughts earlier in the podcast. These are the things that you have to challenge. So maybe the studies... I want to know... You have to take data at, at its cleanest level. If a study says that children between the ages of 0 and 7, right see the best outcome. And I don't know if this study exists. I'm sure there's something similar to this. And then any children older than that, it takes them longer to learn skills, right? So let's say that those are the, that's the data that I'm presenting from a bullshit fake study in my head, right? Why would that be? That's the part of studies that you have to kind of like think outside the box in. So why would it be that zero to seven would be more more likely to learn um, life skills than seven and on. Could it be because we're teaching a lot at that age, regardless of diagnosis, and it would be just a part of our motions, our forward motions to teach these things? Also, after the age of seven, would we be mentally thinking, well, they're seven, they're eight years old now, and I guess, you know, we missed our window, so I, I'm pumping the brakes. See how this, like, it's really interesting how you have data, which is super clean. Like, oh, we're seeing so much progress between zero and seven and not seeing progress after seven. And I was vested in that too until I started coaching the families, until I started seeing things that were very different than this. And it was, you know, the number one problem that I saw for children over the age of seven to learn life skills was our thoughts about it. Just like I already had some preconceived thoughts, like maybe that maybe that data is right, and then my BCBA came to me too. She started working with some adults with autism. She had worked a lot with children. She started working with adults. She said, I, you know, I thought they couldn't really learn because that's what we were all kind of told after a certain age they can't learn. But I'm seeing that they can, because she went in and said, listen, you know, maybe she had that preconceived notion, but she's like, let's just do the things, and she was doing the things, that she, and, and these and these older children and adults were learning. So now it's like, it's really interesting. You have this, you could have this potential study out there that shows data, right? Which seems neutral, but then you've got to look at, look past and say, well, why could that be? And how could I be different? How could our situation be different? What would the majority of the people in that study are doing after the age of seven? What am I doing? Is it different? And the reason I believe this now is because we've potty trained 25 year olds, 30 year olds, um, uh, it blown my mind, shown communication skills to children that are children and teens and adults that never had it prior, but because we were willing to just like, look at them as like blank slates. Like I had no preconceived notions other than maybe a little bit in the back of my head, but all I need personally as a coach who loves to work with like families, is just a little, a little, just a little ember, a little burn. And I'm like, wait a minute. I thought you weren't supposed to be learning after the age of seven. Did you just pick something up now? And then you could start to really build on that and build on that. Now I don't believe any of that bullshit. I believe it's all relative. 
to what's going on in our brains as parents. I think it's all relative to the type of therapies that our children are exposed to, the type of therapists they have. I had a mom that uh, grew up with Juliana, and she had this really shitty BCBA. I mean, from get-go, I did not like this, this lady at all. And I love BCBAs. And she didn't like using food as a reinforcer. And this particular child loved food. So it made no sense to me because we had only used food as a reinforcer for Juliana. And 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 she one day told the mother after working with her for years and years and years. And I told the mother tons of times, dump this girl. She don't have she don't believe in your daughter. I don't I don't like it. Dump it. Right? Ignored me. She's supposed to be the best. She's the best in the agency, the best, the best, the best. Finally comes to the mother and says, listen, I don't want to work with your daughter anymore because I feel like we're at our, uh, you know, she's learned as much as I can teach her and I want to move on. And my, and the mother was so devastated and so hurt. And I was so fucking mad. I'm like, I told you to get rid of this lady. When you have people in your life, even yourself, I want you to check yourself with this too. If you have people in your life that are questioning whether this is possible, and is that serving you to have those people in your life? You want the people that are going to support the opportunity to, that, that, of the potential that's available for your child. So I just wanted to put that out there. And I know, I knew, I knew shit about, about ABA. I knew nothing about this. All I knew is when we started doing bridge form of communication and we started doing PEC, she was flipping them in her hands. And either I could stay with that or I could look at it. And this served me at the time to think what, that time is currency. And instead of thinking like time is currency because I know of a study that says between zero and seven you're going to be the most effective at helping children with autism, how about we just look at time as currency because as far as we all fucking know, we only got one life to live. And I could get hit by the proverbial bus tomorrow. And if I've promised that every day that I am here on this earth, I'm going to show up for my daughter, why am I going to sit there and let her fucking twirl pex cards in her hands for a month or two where I could be working on communication right now? When we made the decision, so I told the team, I said, listen, guys, I don't think this is working. Against my, I didn't want to do it either. I said, let's just do sign language because then she, there's nothing for her to play with. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I didn't want to do it either because I'm like, great, I got to learn these signs. Like it was going to be so hard because she presents them every fucking day to me. She learned 10 signs. When we made that decision to switch, we started teaching her signs. Within a week, she had about 10 signs. I could not believe it. And I'm thinking I'm going to have a hard time learning it. She's always putting it in my face. There ain't no way I can forget. So within 10 days, within, within, I'm sorry, no, I'd say within a week she had 10 signs and it was amazing. Within that same week, all of a sudden her tantruming stopped and she was more like connected. I would say your eye contact still needed improvement, but for her to get what she needed we were determined, meaning that we were saying, listen, everybody in the house, we had a big family meeting. Nobody gives Juliana anything unless she gives you the sign for it. I don't care if she rolls around the floor crying, flipping out, whatever the fuck. Redirect her, show her the sign, make her let you do it, and then you can give her what she wants. And we did this within a couple of days. She's like, I fucking got this. And it was so empowering for her. Because she finally, in a way that wasn't stressing her out, making her upset could get her wants and needs met. And the bonus for me as her mother was that she'd have to seek me out wherever I was in the house to show me the sign to give her what she needed. It was the first connection to getting my baby back. So this is just a quick example of how I used a bridge form of communication and that we were able to build on that.
I actually have like a great workshop that takes you through the start and finish of this, but I just wanted to kind of like take today just to really explain to you that, you know, the three foundational skills for a chance of independence, potty training, communication, reduce problem behavior. We already handled potty training in the last three episodes. Today, I really want to hit home. Like if we can work on a bridge form of communication, you're going to squash the other two. Then it's like, great. Let's go. I love when we get potty training in a week or two in my program and then we can work on everything else. I'm like, great. First, anytime somebody comes to me, I say, what do you want to work on first? And they say, well, I have all of this list. I say, well, what would improve quality of life at the home the most right now if you had it? And then they'll, they'll either say potty training or communication. I love getting through it because it teaches, it gives you motivation and momentum to continue on so we can get to the next thing and then we can get to the next thing. And life's going to happen throughout this process. And that's okay. You know, and life is going to happen. It's going to suck, you know. But we just keep moving forward. There's no, there's no problem here. This is just us moving forward. And I, I didn't want to go too deep into the tactical today of, of communication because we have resources for that that you can have and have access to. But what I really wanted to hit home today was just a lot of like the falsities around uh, what communication means, the falsities around like believing children of certain ages can't learn. I don't, I don't believe that. I don't believe that at all. I'm not vested in that anymore. I don't fucking care what any study says. I care about the, the parent, the relationship I have with the parent and their child. And what are their thoughts behind their child having progress at 10, 15, 20, 25? What are their thoughts about that? And I'm not going to say that we're not going to run up against obstacles, right? So let's say I have a family with a 15-year-old and we they come to me and they want to potty train. And then the child all of a sudden gets sick with COVID. Then the child, you know, could, you know, we, we say, okay, we get rid of the COVID. Then the child starts getting diarrhea. And one of the big pillars I say in potty training is we don't potty train when, the, when we don't have like a poop that's like a peanut butter-like consistency. So then we have to fix that. Life's going to get in the way. It's your job to not like get derailed when life comes. Life and its and its challenges are coming every day. You know this already. You've already lived your life. Autism was a, it was a detour we were not expecting. But the idea here is to keep moving forward. Even though there's a detour and it may set you back, whatever you think it's going to set you back, we still keep moving. We don't just say, "Well, fuck that. Wasn't in the cards. I didn't plan. I didn't want to do this." If we're showing up as, as, as the parents that we promised we would be before autism became a part of our equation, then that's always should be your North Star. You should always be going back to when you, when you were pregnant or when you were expecting this child and what was, your, what was the expectation you had of yourself as the parent teaching this child life skills. Nothing really has changed here. And I, I really wanted to hit home today really just that connection between communication and the aggressive and problem behavior because you're gonna if we can get that then the pie train which i've already showed you guys phew, sky's the limit we could start working through every other little thing that comes up but you once you start getting these three now you can really start to gain momentum and go fast when she started just to give you just to kind of recap like everything we did 
We did the sign language. She learned 10 signs within a week. She started making sounds. Like she had some sounds, but like they were random. She'd go, mom, 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 And I would just take it as, oh, you mean me. You mean me. Even though she wasn't meaning me. She was just like, mom, mom, And I'd always like reinforce like my presence whenever those noises were made. See how you're like, you're using ABA. Once you start learning it, when you, when you start learning in my program in particular, you learn it doing your first skill, like your goal, like your pie training or communication. Now you can start to see how you can carry that over in other areas. Areas. So then I said, okay, she's making these noises. She's using signs, definitely reduced our problem behavior. How can we build on this? And I remember showing her something called Gemini. Um, it's some type of um, online program. It's it's not even spelt like Gemini. The uh, It's spelled with two eyes, I think, on the end of it. And it was these people making these sounds and what sound does a horse make? And I'll never forget this. And they were like, you know, whatever a horse makes. And she went back. I couldn't believe it. So like, it was so like, I collect reward. I collect wins. She's using, oh my God, she's using sign language. Collect win. Oh my God, she's not tantrum more. Collect win. And I savor that. And that keeps me going, keeps the momentum going. So I want to keep moving forward. And that's an important part of this process too. Whatever you're trying to teach your child. And, um, and then, and then after that, then we, we would start to use, um, we'd start just teaching her sounds the beginnings of sounds of words of those 10 things that she used to go out like I for iPad or F for goldfish and start encouraging her, giving her more of it if she asked for it with the sound. So this is kind of just how we built it out. And then once we got the sounds then I started hearing her say things that she heard in her environment, but she wasn't like functional language. I love that. They're like, or, 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 or should just repeat things that people said without like function. But it was fine for me. I was excited. Collected. I considered that a win. I collected it. I celebrated it. And I kept wanting to build on it. This is so important in this whole process. I could go through, I could spend, I could use this whole podcast and just talk about the tactical steps of getting all of these skills. But it is 5% of the deal. I'm telling you that. I'm, I'm going to say this probably a thousand times through all of these episodes. 5% of the game is the tactical. 95% of the game is our thoughts about it. I could have thought like, oh, she's signing, I guess. We're never going to learn to speak. Or I could say, oh my gosh, she's signing and look how it's changed our lives. And look, she stopped tantruming. And oh my gosh, she can learn this. What else she could learn? Both options are available to you at any time. Which one's going to keep you moving forward? So that's what I want to leave you with today. If you want to learn the ins and outs of communication, I have a workshop I did and it's free and we will include it in the resources section. And I think that's it. I like to keep it under 30. So see you next time. Bye everybody. If you're ready to help your baby now with potty training, communication, or stopping their problem behaviors, I want to invite you to watch my free 10-minute video training that shows you how I took my daughter with autism from pre-verbal to sign language, potty training with a sign, to making sounds and then speaking. Head over to michellebrogers.com forward slash training. That's Michelle, M-I-C-H-E-L-L-E. B as in boy, Rogers, R-O-G-E-R-S dot com forward slash training. See you there.